very good. <clears throat> it's good to see each of you here tonight. If you would, turn to Hebrews this evening. The book of Hebrews is where we're going to be. I know that we've got some visitors here tonight, and glad that you are here to be with us. I do want to say this, and I, I hope that you will understand the nature in which this is being said, that uh, being in a situation like this, the pastor never knows who is going to be here, who is not going to be here. So I want you to know that this is not directed at anyone in particular. I don't want you to think, well, man, he must have directed that at me. And you say, well, who would be so bold as to think that? Well, you would be amazed who has thought that over the years. They have left saying, you did that just because of me, right? Well, Honestly, I don't think about you that much throughout the week, so I don't mean to, to be rude, but I, I'm not thinking about any one individual that much throughout the week. So please know that uh, as we go through this sermon this evening, uh, it's just, it really is a message for church family and with you as guests, if you are able to be helped by it tonight, then certainly we are uh, thankful for that and we would uh, praise the Lord for that. But I want to go to the Lord in prayer and then we will get started and uh, make our way through this message and then enjoy some time of fellowship afterwards, okay? Let's pray. Father, thank you for this day. Thank you, Lord, for uh, the health and the strength and the ability to be in your house this evening. I pray that you would bless our time, God, that you would use it to speak to our hearts. I pray this now in Jesus' name, amen. In just a moment, we are going to be in a portion of Scripture that is probably familiar to many of us. I would like to say right now that it is a, it's a passage that I preached a couple of years ago as we were going through our study of Hebrews, and uh, I'm aware of that. I, I'm fully aware of that, so if you've got a note in your Bible as to the fact that I preached this passage a couple of years ago, uh, you won't surprise me. I already know that. But this evening, I want to begin by talking about a question that many of us have asked and many of us have been asked over and over and over again over the course of our lives. We have been asked this question many, many, many times. And the question is this, why? Right? Have you ever been asked that question, why? How many of us would be honest and we'd say, we've asked that question at some point in our life. We've asked this question, why? We've said something like this, well, why did you do that? Maybe we've said something like this, not just why did you do that, why did you say that? Why? Why, 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 why? Now, as you think about that, think about this, that that sometimes when a person asks that question, they're really not looking for clarification. You understand that, right? They're really not asking for clarification. What they are doing sometimes, and maybe what even we have been guilty of doing at some point in the past, is, is, is we are being or they are being antagonistic. Hey, I'd like for you to do this, if you would, please. Why? Why do I have to do that? Why can't someone else do that? You know, maybe you say something, and they're not really asking for clarification on why you said what you said. They're being antagonistic. Why'd you say that, huh? Why did you say that? Yeah, I mean, let's be honest. It's happened, and it's happened to us, and we've done that to other people. 
Sometimes it's, it's done, and again, in a fashion that is antagonistic in nature. Sometimes it's just revealing a person's rebellion, right? It's revealing an attitude of some sort, whatever it may be. And so there are times that people say why they're antagonizing the person who has said or done whatever it is they have said or done. Sometimes it's just revealing their rebellion. But sometimes, whenever a person asks why, they really are looking for some kind of an explanation to explain what prompted you to do or say whatever it is you have done. They're not antagonizing. They're not being rebellious. They just simply want to know, why, why did you do that? Well, why did you say that? I'm just curious. Why did you say that? And I want us to understand something tonight, that if somebody asks us why in the right spirit, they deserve an answer. They really do. They deserve an answer better than, well, because I said, or because that's what I do. I know that we lean on those types of answers from time to time, but if someone's spirit is right, if someone's spirit is what it should be, then if they were to ask us, well, why, we ought to be able to give them an answer. And so this evening, with that in mind, I want us to change gears just a little bit and change our direction just a little bit. Tonight, I want us to think about a very simple truth that all of us, I hope, are fully aware of, and that is this. We are currently at church right now. If you did not know that, we may have bigger issues uh, that need to be addressed. But, but right now, we are at church on what we would call a Sunday evening service. For many of us, we have been here this morning, and we were a part of the Sunday morning service. We are now back for the Sunday evening service. And in a couple of days, when Wednesday night rolls around, we will, we will be back, and we will be a part of the Wednesday night service once more. And church is something that many of us do on a regular basis. It's something that we do on a regular occasion. And yet, as we look at our our routine, as we look at kind of what we have gotten into by way of habit, whatever you'd like to call it, here is what we know. And, and again, this is where I don't want to be offensive. I'm not trying to, to, to come through the back door, so to speak, and really make a point. I, I just want us to think about this because sometimes the facts are just what they are. They're facts, okay? I want us to think about this, that while we are at church tonight... If you look in our culture and society today, it becomes evident very quickly that church is not something that most people attend these days with great regularity. If you were to look at your neighbors, probably what most of you would realize is this, is that most of your neighbors do not go to church with any measure of regularity. They may show up from time to time. They may be here, you know, one Sunday and a few Sundays later. They might show up on the holidays. But, but by and large, if you looked at your neighbors, you'd see that they don't attend with great regularity. You, you might look at your coworkers, co-workers and, and determine, you know, most of the people that I work beside, they don't go to church real frequently. They don't go with great regularity uh, to the house of God, to the services of God, things like that. And, and maybe we might even look in our own family and say, you know, even people in my family don't go to church uh, 
on a regular basis for whatever reasons. Now, as you think about that, this is somewhat interesting, to be totally honest with you, confusing and borderline frustrating at times. What amazes me is this, is the number of people who do not attend church with any measure of regularity still identify themselves as Christians and followers of God. You understand that, right? Again, these are just facts. I'm not trying to be insulting to anyone. These are just the facts that that so many people, especially in our area, they don't attend church with any measure of regularity, but they are identifying themselves as Christians. Now, this cannot be denied. Again, just take this at face value for what I'm saying, that if a person claims to be a Christian, but they choose not to attend the house of God faithfully, then they have chosen to forsake the assembling of the saints. That is a choice they have made. If their health health allows them to be in the house of God, and yet they're not faithfully attending, then they have chosen to forsake or to abandon or to desert the assembling of the saints together, like the scripture says we're supposed to. Now, I know the argument. Trust me, I've been in the, in, in the pastoral line of work long enough to know the argument. I don't have to go to church to be a Christian. How many of us have heard that? I don't have to go to church to be a Christian. And the answer to that is, you're right. You don't have to go to church to be a Christian. I don't have to be here tonight to be a Christian. You don't have to be here this evening to be a Christian. And and we don't ever have to go to the house of God to be a Christian. But I would say this. We do have to assemble to be obedient Christians. If we desire to be obedient to the word of God, then we do have to assemble when the saints have assembled. We have to be a part of that. Now, for those of us who are a part of the church and part of your routine, a Sunday morning, Sunday night, and Wednesday night attendance, if, if that is priority to you, if that is important to you, if that is significant in your life, let's, let's just be honest. At some point, somebody is going to say to us, why? Why do you do it? Why do you go to the house of God every week? Why do you go to church Sunday morning, Sunday night, and Wednesday night? Why do you do that? And if they ask it with the right spirit, if they ask it with the right attitude, if they ask it truly trying to get some kind of an understanding as to why, then we ought to have a reason. We ought to have a reason. And so tonight I want us to look in Hebrews chapter 10. Again, we're going to look at what is a familiar portion of Scripture to many of us. Verse number 25, here's what the writer says in Hebrews chapter 10. 
He said, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as the manner is of some, or as the manner of some is. And so what the writer is saying is, is don't forsake the assembling of ourselves together, though that be the manner of life that some choose for themselves. He goes on to say, not only do you not want to forsake the assembling, but he says, and so much the more as you see the day approaching. Now, maybe we could talk about this in greater detail after the service, but in general, here is what the scripture seems to be indicating, that as this world comes to an end, as this world is certainly growing more wicked in its ways, the children of God do not need less assembling of themselves together. They need more assembling of themselves together. All right? So it's really not in the best interest of the believer to be less involved in the house of God and less involved in the things of God. It is really in my best interest and in your best interest to be more involved in the things of God, in the house of God. But again, the question could be, why? Why do I need to be so active? Why do I need to be so faithful? Why do I need to be so involved? Or why do you do that for yourself and for your family? So notice what he said there tucked in the middle of verse number 23. He said, but, forsaking the, uh, but not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as the manner of some is, but exhorting one another. Exhorting one another. Why has church become an important element of my life? Well, in part, because it is in the assembling of ourselves, of the saints, that I can be encouraged. That I can be encouraged. What does it mean to exhort? Well, as I've already said, it means to be encouraged. It also means this, to challenge or to help someone. So why do I need to be a part of, a, of an assembly on a regular basis so much the more as this world spins out of control and becomes more and more ungodly? All right, I need to be exhorted. I need to be challenged, I need to be encouraged, and I need to be helped. Now listen, sometimes people will say things like this, I just love going to church because I always feel better when I leave. Now that's a wonderful part of coming to church, but that's a byproduct of what church is all about. See, whenever we come to church, there's a context to what verse number 23 is saying. For me to be encouraged, for me to be or exhorted or encouraged or challenged or helped, it comes in light of what is said in verse number 24. I think I misquoted the verse just a moment ago, but verse number 25, verses number 24, notice what it says. It says, and let us consider one another. What does it mean to consider one another? It means this, to be mindful of one another. Okay, it means don't just be thinking about yourself, don't just be mindful of yourself, be mindful of others. So the writer says, and let us consider one another to provoke. What does it mean to provoke? Well, it means to stir up. It means to agitate in a way because, you know, sometimes people are guilty of getting in a rut. So we need to be stirred up. We need to be provoked. 
It's kind of like this. Sometimes we as individuals, we get very complacent, do we not? We get into our routine, whatever it may be. And so what the writer says is this, listen, you need to encourage one another and you need to consider others. You need to be mindful of others and you need to provoke others. You need to stir one another up. You need to get each other out of the rut and get them from that point of complacency to where there's no longer a complacency. And here is how he said to provoke one another. He said, unto love. Unto love. What could the writer possibly be talking about whenever he says, we need to be provoked in this area of our lives related to love? I've said this before, I'll say it again, because I believe that this is really the only two things that matter. It would be our love for God and our love for one another. There's really not much more in this life that matters as it relates to love. Now, I don't know about you, I'm just going to talk about myself for a moment because I don't mind being honest with you, but I am constantly in need of encouragement to love God more because my flesh is not naturally drawn to God. And and I don't care who the individual is, I don't care who the person is, because of our sinful flesh, because of our sinful nature, our sinful tendencies, we are not naturally drawn to God in our love and service to Him. And so somebody may say, well, why do you go to church? Why do you go to the house of God? Why is that so important to you? Part of the answer, and again, only part of the answer is this, is that so that I can be encouraged by the actions of others to love God more than I do right now. You know why you need to be in church, church family? You know why this needs to be important? You know why this needs to be priority? Because you need to be challenged on a regular basis to love God more. Well, I don't need anybody challenging me to love God more. Well, we're not being honest with ourselves. We do need to be challenged to love God more. So part of the reason why we need to be here, if somebody were to ask us, is because we could truly say, in assembling and being a part of our church on a regular basis, it challenges me and stirs me up to love God the way that I ought to. But it also challenges me and it also provokes me and stirs me to love people in the way that I ought. I've talked about this many times. I touched on it this morning in the morning service. I'm just going to say it again. This evening, it is true of me like it is for most people that there are people that I don't mind loving. It is easy for me to love them. It is, it is natural for me to love them. It's not really a challenge. But there are certain people in my life that it doesn't come easy. I don't love everyone the way that I ought. And part of what is accomplished in me being faithful to the house of God is being reminded that I need to love others as much as I love myself. It's so easy, is it not, for us to get consumed with self and wrapped up in ourselves and and really we reach a point where the only thing we're worried about is what's going on in our personal lives? 
See, when we come to the house of God, when we're challenged, when we're encouraged and we're provoked and and stirred up by others, we're reminded, listen, we need to love everyone as much as we would love ourselves. It's not just God that we need to love. We need to love others. And so one of the reasons that I attend church and one of the reasons that you, church family, need to stay faithful to the house of God is so that you can constantly be challenged, love God, and love people the two greatest commandments in all of Scripture. But he said it's not just that. He said it's, and let us consider one another to provoke unto love and good works. What is good works? It's right actions. I need to be challenged in my personal life to do what is right according to God's Word. See, here's what every one of us have a tendency to do. This is scriptural, and this is what we all struggle with, whether we want to admit it or not. We all have a tendency to do that which is right in our own eyes. Well, I think this is right. Well, I think this is right. Well, I think this is right, and I think this is right, and I think this is right. And it may be right in our own eyes, but it may not be right in the eyes of God. And so what the assembling does is this, with fellow saints, with fellow believers, surrounded by the Word of God, it reminds us of what the Word of God says, which really is the only thing that matters. It reminds us of what the Word of God says, and it shows us when we are out of line. And some brother or some sister may come to us because they are considering us, and they could say something like this, what you said wasn't right, what you did wasn't right, how you're living isn't right, and you need to get in line, and you need to get back into where you know you ought to be in your walk with God. Listen, the assembling of ourselves together helps us fly right when we would otherwise have a tendency to get off course in our Christian living. So in these verses, verses 24 and 25, the writer just says, listen, don't forsake the assembling. Don't abandon it. Don't dismiss it. Don't don't disregard the assembling of yourselves together. That is the manner of some, but you don't want to do that. You want to be there when the assembly takes place. Why? Why? to exhort one another, to encourage one another. In what way? Unto love and good works. Just keep loving the Lord. Just keep loving people. Just keep doing right. That is what we are aided in when we are faithful to the house of God. And so to our church family tonight, I I simply challenge you in this area, don't ever allow yourself to begin slipping out of the house of God. That is the manner of some. It is the manner of the majority these days. Don't allow yourself to slip. Don't allow this to be optional. Don't allow this to be something that's done in convenience. No, make this a priority. We don't have to do it because, well, we have to to be a Christian. No, we need to do it because it's beneficial. It's helpful. 
And so if somebody were to say, well, well, why do you go to church so much? Why do you go all the time? The answer needs to be, well, I'm helped immensely. And if I'm helped, well, I might be able to help someone else. And if we're helping each other in this Christian life, then we have a much greater chance of being what we're supposed to be as children of God in service to him. The house of God is so important. The house of God should be essential. And for the church family and for everyone present, I hope that it is. I hope that it remains. If need be, I hope that it becomes. But I hope we see the why for coming to church and being able to explain it, if ever questioned, if ever challenged. Let's all stand this evening, and we're going to have a word of prayer. Lauren's going to play just a verse of invitation. If you need to spend some time in prayer there at your seat, or if you'd like to come forward, you're welcome to. But we're going to pray, and then we're just going to have a moment of invitation. Father, we thank you for this time. We thank you, Lord, for your word. God, I thank you for the church that you established. I'm thankful, Lord, for the benefit that it is to the believers' lives. God, I pray that you would help us to see why it's so important, that you'd help us to see the value of it and how it aids us in our walk with you. I pray that you'd help us tonight to enjoy the fellowship one with another. I pray that you'd be with the activities of this evening. I pray this now in Jesus' name. Amen.